It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 27th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Magic's loss to the New York Knicks. Yes, I said loss. And about what this means, about what it means that the Magic have lost to both the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks in less than a week, and whether that means anything for the playoffs, for the playoff run, or what that says about this team and its future. And of course, you know, we don't want to talk too much about the team's future because, yes, we are in the middle of a playoff race. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Looking to get a better picture of the Golden State Warriors as they get ready to play Miami and then come down to Orlando, check out Locked On Warriors. Looking for a national perspective, you can find it on Locked On NBA as well as find it on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. There's baseball, football, and college sports too all on the Locked On Podcast Network. And you can find it all on iTunes or by asking your smart device to play podcasts Locked On and the team you are looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. No sense in beating around the bush. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. The Orlando Magic lost to the New York Knicks 108-103. to 103. It was a game where the Magic led by as much as 16 and looked like they were going to dominate early on. It was a game where the Magic led by 12 early in the fourth quarter. It was yet another game in a countless list of games that felt it felt like the Magic were going to win. And all of a sudden, something happened that kept them from winning it. That's something, of course, being the Magic's own play and their inability to really stop and stem tides. It's, it's, it's just something about this team that 
when things go wrong, they snowball. They get worse. And they can't ever seem to reel it all back in. And of late, you know, the Magic haven't had a game like this one in a while. This was a game more reminiscent of that West Coast trip in January. And yeah, I'll get to the fact that it was the Knicks in a moment. But it felt very much like those games in January. The Magic do everything right, exactly how they're supposed to, exactly the way they need to, for a very, very long time. And then all of a sudden, it stops. They get tight. They get tense. They feel that pressure, especially as the other team is bearing down on them. Give the Knicks all the credit in the world. They took it to the Magic. Mitchell Robinson was a game-changer defensively. He scared the Magic off from the paint for a lot of the game. Uh, except for Nikola Vucevic, who the Magic just couldn't get the ball to in the fourth quarter. Uh, Alonzo Trier, Emmanuel Moutier, both did a great job attacking the basket. And the Knicks just got into a good offensive rhythm. Yes, the Knicks did. And even though Orlando, I thought for a lot of the fourth quarter, played some pretty good defense, the Knicks made tough shots, they got offensive rebounds, they gave themselves extra chances, and they got to the foul line, certainly a lot more than the Magic did. The Magic on offense in the fourth quarter, where they were outscored 30-13, to 13, became tentative, became a bit gun-shy. You could kind of just feel they weren't confident even in the open shots they were getting. And I thought, at least through the first five, six minutes of the fourth quarter, the Magic were getting good shots. If one of Terrence Ross's threes goes down, the Magic win this game. If Evan Fournier hits an open three that he hit, or takes the ball and passes to Jonathan Isaac, and he hits an open three. The Magic might very well win this game. I've said this throughout this entire season as as we've looked at this Magic team and, and how they've competed for the playoffs so far. The line between winning and losing is very, very narrow. It's very, very thin. And like I said on yesterday's podcast with the Knicks, their defense is not good. You should be able to score on them. But if you give them an inch, if you give them a little bit of hope, they are dangerous. They are playing a lot better since the trade deadline. And you've got to take the will out of them. That never happened. It looked like it was going to happen early. Orlando was playing fantastic in the first quarter. As bad as they were in the fourth quarter, Orlando was fantastic in the first quarter, 34-20. to It looked like they were going to run the Knicks out of the gym. But you give up 36 points in the second quarter and all of a sudden a team feels like it can keep contact, that it can stay in the game. Then again, Orlando did begin to put them away again in the third. The defense wasn't as good, but Orlando pulled away. They had the lead again. Really, this game just came down to a bit of pluckiness and will. Orlando just may not be comfortable playing the favorite. With whatever that means. They need that chip on their shoulder. They need that knowledge that they have to give a little bit extra to beat a team. Finding internal motivation is one of the most, honestly, I think it's one of the most difficult things about the 82-game schedule. Finding that consistent motivation to keep fighting and keep pulling toward that goal. It's not easy. It's not a given. And I think it's something the Magic once again struggled with in this game. They got comfortable. And I said that was something to worry about. I said it during the game. 
the Magic have to keep attacking, keep getting into the paint, keep getting easy shots, keep working the ball around. They can't begin to settle. They began to settle. They got comfortable. And eventually that comfort turned into a nightmare. Because this is the NBA. Anybody can beat anybody. I, I've said I said this before. The schedule is not as easy as it seems, and but this did seem like a game the Magic should have won. On paper, the Magic should have won this game, and actually, in reality, the Magic should have won this game. They led for the first forty-five minutes of this game, dominated for the most part, but it wasn't enough because in the fourth quarter, the shots weren't falling. New York came. They made some difficult shots. They made some momentum plays, and the Magic couldn't turn it around. And by the end of the game, by the final four, three, four minutes, you could see they were grasping at straws. Guys were trying to do too much. Evan Fournier, especially, who played, I thought, a brilliant game to that point, was trying to do a little too much. Trying to force things a little bit too much. Trying to be the hero. Someone had to be. Because no one was stepping up. Magic couldn't get the ball to Nikola Vucevic. They couldn't get the foul line. They couldn't change momentum. And New York just kept building and building and building and building and eventually the avalanche was there. This is a team that's still susceptible to that. They don't have that guy that can just take over a game and will the team to victory. They don't have that guy. And again, that weakness was apparent. We'll talk about that in a moment. There's no getting around this either. The consistency between Orlando's two lineups was stark. I don't believe in bench points. I think that that's an overused stat. There's really not a huge difference between the starters and the bench in, in, in a, that kind of sense. But the discrepancy in this game was alarming. The Knicks had 75 bench points. The majority of their scoring came from the bench. It's where they got a lot of their energy. They, they finished essentially with a bench lineup because it was working. They played with such great energy. Who could blame them? Orlando finished with seven. And the seven's not the number that worries me so much. Or seven is the number that worries me a lot. But it's not that it's so low. It's that it required so much from the starters just to keep this game close. That it very much to me looked like the starters ran out of gas at the end of the game. And is a possible explanation for why shots were falling short. And, and shots were falling short. I thought the Magic got great looks in the fourth quarter for the most part. Until the very end when you could kind of sense some, some panic and... Not panic's not the right word, but, but urgency. Increased urgency and, 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 you know, they kind of broke what works for them offensively to, because of that. Because it wasn't working in that sense. But you could kind of see some fatigue, some effects of fatigue which seemed odd because this wasn't a difficult road trip as far as the travel schedule and, and, and rest days. Again, Terrence Ross just had a bad night. One for 10 from the floor, one for six from beyond the arc, and that one shot came with 30 seconds left in the Magic down by six. If he makes just one three in the middle of the fourth quarter, Maybe that calms everyone down. Maybe that restores some confidence, restores some order. 
Set the Magic started the fourth quarter four for 17. Set the Magic couldn't get to the line, couldn't get consistent offense. So all those things that they need to do to win games. Adjusting to what their opponent was doing, because the Magic struggled with switching defenses. I, I think that's pretty well documented at this point. And the Knicks switched everything, and they couldn't get the ball inside to Vucevic consistently. They couldn't get themselves free for a, a ton of open looks. They had to do a lot of isolation play, which which wasn't which isn't their formula for success. When they moved the ball, they were dra- very effective. When they allowed the Knicks to get out in transition, they struggled a lot, and that's exactly what happened in the fourth quarter. To me, and I'll talk about this in a moment. This game just reminds you that there is a formula for the Magic to follow. And that when they don't follow that formula, they can fall off a cliff still. And unfortunately, at this point, those games matter more. I said it yesterday. The pressure is only going to grow on this team. They are in the playoff hunt. This one's going to sting. If the Magic end up, say, tied with Charlotte or game back of Charlotte on that last day of the season... They're going to point to this game. They're going to point to the Chicago game. They're going to point to all those games on that West Coast trip that they should have won. This is another one they could have had. This is another one they should have had that they let slip through their fingers. But there's no getting it back. Learn your lessons, lick your wounds, and get back to work. Because Thursday's going to be kind of tough. I don't know if you've heard who's coming to town Thursday. But the Magic still are in this race. They're not out of it. One, ga- one game does not change that yet. There's still time. And Charlotte's schedule is not any, any that easy either. So Orlando sits a game out of the final playoff spot after losing to the New York Knicks 108-103. to No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Let's run through the final box score for you real fast. couple of interesting notes here. Uh, like I said, Evan Fournier, uh, he got the brunt of the internet uh, uh, criticism and, and, and for fair, fair reasons. I mean, I think I was a little too defensive with him because um, I'm not a last three-minute game person. I, 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 may, I may look at the totality of the game. Evan Fournier was really good for most of this game. 15 points, 6 for 16 shooting. Did miss all seven of his three-pointers, but five rebounds, eight assists, three steals. Um, I thought he was really good for almost the entire night. Uh, did a really good job hunt, you know, getting into the lane, uh, getting good shots up. When he didn't have a good shot, he dished a ball and made some really nice passes and made some really nice plays even on the perimeter uh, to, to find the open shooter, to find the best shot. 
It is a fair criticism, though, and, and, and we can't escape this because all the good that he did throughout most of this game does not absolve him of, of the bad that happened in the fourth quarter. And, and I think so, a, a lot of what happened in the fourth quarter was a team issue. It wasn't Fournier. Fournier just happened to be the guy with the ball in his hands. And he should have been the guy with the ball in his hands. He had eight freaking assists. You didn't want to say that he didn't move the ball. He moved the ball the entire game. But he did make some questionable decisions as as a playmaker. And, and I think he's still growing as a playmaker. So let's let's slow the roll there a little bit. Um, you know, I I I still think it was right to have the ball in his hands. He just made the wrong decisions, made the wrong plays, didn't make the shots that he needed to make. But he did, I think, take some some odd leaners, uh, did have some possessions, especially late in the game, where he didn't pass the ball. Um, I, I don't like, I mean, personally, my preference, I do not like seeing one or no pass possessions late in games. I think that those are terrible. Um, you know, if, you know, when I'm playing 2K and they make me run an ISO at the end of the game, I get livid. Like, I like I call out of it. I, I run a pick and roll. I want passing. So, yes, I, I think late in the game, he did try and force things in a way that he didn't force things in the previous moments of the game. He was playing really, really well. Uh, and, and did it cost the Magic the game? I don't think... It, I mean, it's easy to scapegoat it, and I think that's that's that, that was the general reaction to it. I don't think it cost the Magic the game. I think the defense was a bigger issue. I think the fouling was a bigger issue. Um, but certainly with the Magic searching for a shot, just searching for anything to slow momentum down, uh, especially when, when they began to lose grip of the lead. Uh, Fournier making the decisions that he made, both the turnovers, the missed shots, both open and covered, the off-balance shots that, that he just is, has to get rid, has to try and eliminate from his game a little bit more. Um, it hurt. I mean, it, the spotlight was on him, and Fournier did not step up to the plate tonight. Uh, and, and I think that's just, that's all you can say about it. Um, you know, again, just like Terrence Ross, who was one for six again, Evan Fournier makes one three-pointer. Um, you know, he had a three-pointer with maybe two minutes left. That was a good shot. You know, couldn't move the ball to the corner to Jonathan Isaac, who had a fantastic game as well. 16 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 4 for 6 from beyond the arc, 6 rebounds, and 3 blocks as well. He had, a, he had an opportunity to move the ball to him, but he took a good shot that you expect him to make. And if he makes that shot, you know, the Magic very well might win the game. This, this, I really do believe it. This game came down to the Magic needed one shot somewhere just to feel confident, just to see the ball go through the hoop, and they couldn't get it. And they they, they don't get to the foul line. They, they just couldn't get it. And Evan Fournier was the guy with the ball in his hand, so he he gets the the he gets the the scapegoat title for this for this one. Nikola Vucevic was the real star of this game, though. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 blocks, 12 for 19 shooting, 2 for 2 from beyond the arc. Did not go to the foul line. Uh, New York likes to switch a lot of switch a lot of their possessions. Um, but with Noah Vonley and, and even Mitchell Robinson, and the Magic just abused those centers in the paint with Vucevic. They, they got the ball in the post. They forced New York to double team. And he just picked them apart with their, his passing. He was fantastic for almost the entire night. Um, his one turnover... It was a very notable turnover late in the game when the Magic finally got the ball to him with Emmanuel Moutier on him. They doubled him. He made a pass that was deflected. It was stolen. And, and that was really the only time the Magic got the ball to him in the fourth quarter. If the Magic... I mean, I would say this about Vucevic. Vucevic is an all-star. He's not the most demonstrative, you know, loud guy on the court. 
The next development for Vucevic, now that he has the moniker of All-Star, now that the Magic are in the playoff race, I have to say the next development for Vucevic is to make sure he gets the ball late in games. It's to make sure that he is somehow involved in the outcome with the ball in his hands. And, and again, I'm, I'm not a big late-game ISO guy. I don't think that that's effective offense. And I think that, that there were times when the Magic did get the ball to him, they broke their offense to do it. And Clifford had an interesting comment. He said, you know, because New York switches so much, maybe we should have been more matchup, matchup uh, attacking matchups more than kind of running through our sets, which is an interesting philosophical debate to have. The Magic needed Vucevic to be bigger. Um, and I think that's, I don't think that's something that Vucevic is necessarily comfortable doing. I don't think he's, he's necessarily comfortable demanding the ball. But guess what? We're in a playoff race. We're in, we're in a situation where every game matters. The pressure is increasing. And I know Vucevic doesn't have the greatest track record late in games. But he's your best player. And if your basic offense isn't working, as it wasn't working in the fourth quarter here, and you're clinging to a lead, the Magic's best bet for a basket is to put the ball in Vucevic's hands and let him make a play. Whether it's a pass, whether it's a shot, whether it's a post-up, whatever. And I don't think the Magic did that well enough, did that effectively enough in the fourth quarter. And I think that's honestly the biggest regret of this game. I don't know if that is Steve Clifford calling more plays for Vucevic. I don't know if that's, you know, Fournier making better reads. I don't I don't or I don't I don't know if it's Vucevic demanding the ball a little bit more, being a little selfish. But that has to happen. As he played a fantastic game, he abused the Knicks on the inside all night long. Beat him up. Had a fantastic game. And it feels like he deserved a better outcome for it. Aaron Gordon, 26 points, 8 for 16 shooting, 9 for 12 from the foul line, 7 rebounds, 1 block for him. Uh, Gordon, I thought, especially after Sunday's game where he really struggled to shoot from the perimeter, thought he played a really fantastic game in this one. I thought that he uh, was really good working off of cuts and slashing, which is really becoming the best way for him to score, is to, to get the ball on, hand, on, on handoffs uh, and, and, and cutting to the basket rather than the iso play or, or even straight post-ups, which... You know, again, stuff for him to prove on. He's only 23 years old. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy over that. Um, this was a game where Gordon really found his fit and, and really did a good job attacking, uh, you know, off the dribble when he had it, but but mostly off of cuts where the Knicks just were putting bad matchups with him and he and he found seams and got to the got to the basket. Um, you know, him drawing fouls. He shot 12 of the Magic's 20 free throws. 12 of the Magic's 20 free throws. That is really really impressive, and, and I think that Gordon did a really good job getting himself into the rhythm of the game uh, and playing well. And, and, you know, honestly, he played really well through three quarters. The fourth quarter, he disappeared because the Magic's offensive rhythm disappeared. And, and I think that that is a huge thing for this Magic team. When Gordon's playing well offensively, the Magic's offense is usually humming. You know, at least when he's getting good shots, when he's moving the ball, when he's doing all those things that we know he can do. When he becomes invisible, that's a problem for the Magic. So, again... It, it, it all goes together here. It, it, it's, it's a, it was a failure on multiple levels for the Magic. They became too stagnant. They became too uh, dependent on isolation play. They weren't able to move the ball effectively. Uh, they, they were timid around the basket, so they're passing up some good shots. They missed good shots. It all ties together, and it just kept everyone not involved. It knocked everyone off of rhythm, and, and Orlando couldn't get themselves back under control. And So Gordon was really good for three quarters. 
disappeared in the fourth. And, and, and that's, of course, a problem. Finally, Terrence Ross, just a tough night for him. One for 10 shooting, one for six from beyond the arc. Just three points. That, that basket coming at the end of the game with the Magic down by six brought him to within three with about 30 seconds left. Um, just some nights Terrence Ross doesn't have it. You know, I get a lot of the, I got a lot of these tweets Sunday. Terrence Ross should start. Terrence Ross should start. Terrence Ross should start. And I'm like, no, like, A, things are working. Don't mess with the rotation. Forty is actually playing really well. I mean, uh, you know, not really well, but playing better. He's getting back to his mean. And again, I think tonight was a proof positive of that. Uh, but Terrence Ross is still liable to have nights like these because he's just there to shoot. He's just there to score. He doesn't really do much else. And that was really proven more and more in this game. He was getting the same kind and quality of shots that he always gets. He was just missing them. Um, you know, I'd like to see Ross move the ball a little bit more sometimes. I'd like to see him, you know, be patient and not always come around firing. But he missed open shots in this game. He missed shots that he normally makes. And some nights that's going to get you 28 points. Some nights that's going to get you three. That's kind of the feast or famine with Terrence Ross. And this game was a famine. And, and it really hurt the team. Because again, he makes one more three-pointer at the right moment. This game's completely different. It's just completely different. And it's hard for the Magic to win when Ross is struggling because, you know, there's only one more field goal made. In fact, it's really interesting. The Magic were two for six. The Magic's bench was two for 16. Two for 16. It's not even that the Magic's bench didn't score. They didn't. Wessel Wundu, one for five. Terrence Ross, one for 10. Ken Burcho for one. It's that they took only 16 of the team's 89 shots. Aaron Gordon took as many shots as the Magic's entire bench. And I think that speaks to A, Mitchell Robinson having a big effect on the team, six six blocks for him on the game. I think that speaks to that a little bit, that the Magic were a little hesitant to take shots, were a little hesitant to go to the basket. But I think it's also, you know, testament to this team really needs Terrence Ross to at least be decent. And this was the first really bad Terrence Ross game in a long time, and no one stepped up and picked up the slack. The starters picked up the slack. And like I said, I, I just felt like the starters ran out of gas at the very end of the game. And, and that's that's why the game kind of turned out the way it did with the Magic kind of limping to the finish. Orlando ends the game shooting 43.8% from the floor, 11 for 32 from beyond the arc, 14 for 20 from the foul line. They get they turn the ball over 16 times, which is a really big problem. They give up 14 offensive rebounds, a huge problem, including eight to Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson finished with 17 points, 14 rebounds, six blocks, player of the game for the New York Knicks. The Knicks, though, shoot 42.7% from the floor, 29.2% from beyond the arc. So the Magic played pretty good defense for the most part. Um, you know, I thought they actually did play really good defense. And even in the fourth quarter, I thought New York was hitting really difficult shots. But again, offensive rebounds, turnovers leading to fast breaks, New York had 12 fast break points and fouling 32 free throw attempts for the Knicks. That's how you erase deficits. That's how you beat this Magic team. The Magic just did not do the things that they need to do. And then you add on top of that a fourth quarter where the Magic score only 13 points and shoot an abysmal percentage. Magic 5 for 25 in the fourth quarter with six offensive rebounds. 5 for 25 with six offensive rebounds. The Magic did what they needed to do to win this game, except make shots. You're allowed to make mistakes against the Knicks. The Knicks afford you mistakes. The Magic made plenty, but the Magic had to make shots. And that is quite simply what they didn't do. And that's why Orlando lost. It's a make-or-miss league. 
Orlando lost because they couldn't hit a, they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They couldn't generate offense when they needed it most. And so they fall to the New York Knicks 108 to 103. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Steve Clifford has has had this line for the entire season. And he repeated it again after the game against the Knicks. That this Magic team has specific things they have to do in order to win games. And if they don't do them, they will lose. Plain and simple. It really is that black and white with this team. They're not the Warriors where they can you know, add in, you know, where they have guys who can pick up the slack if one of their stars doesn't work. No, the Magic are not that team. The Magic are a team that has a very tight rope they have to walk. And, and we've mentioned this and talked about this throughout the season. And, and, and it feels like now is the moment to be reminded of that. That as good as the Magic have played, as good as the Magic are playing, and they still are, I... I I don't think this Knicks game is going to be anything more than an aberration. It is a reminder, just like the Chicago game was, in a different way. But I still think this team is generally trending in a positive direction. And, you know, again, they still have ground to make up. They're, they're, they're not out of the woods yet. But I think the Magic are in the playoff hunt for, the, for, the, for real, and I think that they have a very real chance of making the postseason. The disappointment that you're feeling now, the disappointment in this loss, is that we know the Magic can play better. And they know they can play better because they didn't do those little things. Not even little things. Big things that they have to do to win. We know that the Magic have to rebound well. They didn't do that. Giving up 14 offensive rebounds and 12 second chance points. So they did okay defending the basket, but giving extra possessions is going to help them. They have to move the ball and keep the ball moving. They can't rely on isolation play. They can't get stagnant, which they obviously did in the fourth quarter when they shot 5 for 25. They have to defend at a high level at all times. They have to get back. They have to rebound. They have to do all these things if they're going to win. And even if they do them semi-effectively, which again, they did against the Knicks, there is still the chance that one little thing can knock it off course. All those things. It should be painfully obvious by now. And I'm sure I've said it ad nauseum throughout, if you've listened to this podcast every day this entire season, that this team can beat any team in the league. They can also lose to any team in the league. And it doesn't take very much between the two. In this game Tuesday night, the Magic looked like a true playoff team in the first quarter. 16-point lead, blowing the doors out from the very beginning. First play 
High-low pass from Vucevic to Gordon for a layup. Easy. Evan Fournier cutting around a curl screen. No one picking him up. Easy layup. They were taking care of business. It was easy. It was fun. The bench was animated. Everyone was celebrating. But then they stopped doing that. Yeah, the Knicks played with a little more focus. Their bench unit was a lot more intense and and energetic than their starters were. But the Magic didn't match. The Magic started to coast. The Magic started to be a little lazy and sloppy. And they knew it. Aaron Gordon was saying it at halftime. And they corrected it in the third quarter. The third quarter, the Magic played just as effectively. So again, what happened? What changed? What causes this team to revert back to those struggles, to those difficulties? Is it experience? Is it the pressure that they're experience, that they're going through for the first time? Is it a talent issue? They don't have a great dribble penetrator. These are big questions that, of course, you know, we knew we'd have to answer this at, at some point this season and, and, and would have to address in the offseason. It's no doubt that this is not a complete team, that as, as fun and as exciting and as necessary as it is to make the playoffs, the Magic, or whoever ends up eighth in the East, is likely making the playoffs below 500 as a sub-500 team. And while that's progress, and I would argue the Magic have already made plenty of progress this year with Jonathan Isaac's emergence, first and foremost, the record as well. Making the playoffs as a sub-500 team is certainly something that you you celebrate because you go to the playoffs and, and that matters, but also recognition that there is still a lot of work to be done. No one is hiding from that fact. There's still a lot of questions about this roster because nights like this still happen. Nights like Friday against Chicago still happen. Chicago, to a lesser extent, because that was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. This was the Knicks beating the Magic. This was the Knicks making plays when the Magic weren't. Not Not because of the Magic's mistakes or clear mistakes necessarily, It was Orlando being unable to stem the tide, to dig in deep, to find that one shot, as I keep mentioning, or that one stop they needed to steady the ship. Too often it's easy to have that ship spring a leak and and get rocky and jostle about. That's the reality of this team. That never changed. As well as the Magic played before the All-Star break, That never changed. This is still that team. The old NBA saying goes, you're not as good as you think you are on your best day. You're not as bad as you think you are on your worst day. And it's an 82-game schedule. It rocks and goes back and forth so much. But the Magic know they are better than what they showed Tuesday night. They know that the way they played, what they did, 
isn't going to cut it if they want to achieve their goals. And they know that the way they played and what they did cannot happen again. Then again, we said that Friday. And so the question is, how do the Magic walk that narrow tightrope of the things they need to do to win? They have to worry about what they can control. Making or missing shots, coaches will tell you that's not completely in your control. But you can still overcome it. You should be able to still overcome it if you're a good team. With your defense, with your effort, with locking down the glass, the, 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 the defensive glass, with getting back in transition, taking some pride in defending your man, helping your teammate. If you don't have a good shot, keeping the ball moving. These are the things the Magic didn't do in that fourth quarter. And as the New York Knicks proved once again, the Magic aren't good enough to get by with just being good. They need to do all those things. They need to be great. And if they can do that, the playoffs are there for them to reach. The Eastern Conference will give you the time and the allowance to make these kinds of mistakes. But not much longer. Because guess what? We're in the fourth quarter of the season now. It is winning time. It's time to put all that behind you Find that last play and dig in deep. And we're going to find out exactly what this Magic team is made of because this is the final audition for what could be, what still could be a very momentous summer with free agents, with a roster that still needs to be churned over and changed. This is a statement time for this team and this group. They know it. They're feeling the pressure. They're feeling the intensity. Now we got to see if that pressure turns them into diamonds or coal. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at philipr underscore omd. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a look at the Magic's upcoming schedule, we talked about how, how supposedly easy it was. The next four games, not so much. Big stretch for the Orlando Magic here. Like I, like I even said before, this first stretch coming out of the All-Star break is very, very difficult for this team. Uh, so so we're, we're in the meat of it now. Uh, so the Magic trailing by a game in the playoff race. Well, we'll analyze that schedule coming up on Orlando Magic Daily. And of course, follow us on Twitter there at Daily. Don't forget, you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Mavericks recently had Mark Cuban on their show, so definitely check that out. Also, Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball for all your national basketball needs. But until tomorrow, tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about the end of the third quarter and what to look forward to here in the final 20 or so games of the NBA season for the Orlando Magic. But until then... For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Phil Brosman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.